welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Like I said, today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, for those of you that don't know, 50 days went by after the resurrection, and on day 50 which is a very transitional, monumental, biblically um, prophetic-driven number in Scripture. On day 50, the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 people in the room. They were in one heart, one mind, and the Holy Spirit showed up. They were given instruction to wait and pray. Because Jesus, I don't know many of you, if you know this, but Jesus walked as a resurrected man for 40 days on the earth post-resurrection. He walked around doing stuff. He literally, and you could read it in the book of John, he literally would appear and he'd literally walk through walls. He would appear in locked rooms. He did supernatural things. In fact, the book of John says of all the things that were recorded about what Jesus did when he was a resurrected man, He's, the, the, the writer says, I don't think all the books in the world could even handle and hold the stories. Jesus performed a lot of significant supernatural miracles in that time, 40 days. And then when he ascended, when he ascended on day 40, he gave them a 10-day. Actually, he didn't give them a window of time. He said, just wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait together until the promised Holy Spirit shows up. And he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to remind you of everything I've said to you. He's going to lead you towards Jesus. He's going to help you be the one. He's going to help you worship Jesus because the Bible says in in Philippians 3.3 that you can't even worship God except by the Spirit. He's going to guide you, and he's going to do what he needs to do to make you the best version of yourself. He's a reflection of me. And so he he said, wait, wait. For the promised Holy Spirit to show up. You, you need him. He, is, he will be God to you on the earth. Just like I was God to you as your rabbi. He will be God to you on the earth and will dwell within you. And lead you along the journey that I've called you to walk on. And so 50 days later, we have what we call Pentecost Sunday. Nobody in scripture called it that. It was just the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come. Now let me read it in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. There's value in coming together in one place. How many believe that? You could go do home church. You can do online church. You can watch in your bedroom. But there's nothing ever will replace the gathering. They all met in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting i've been in the two locations that most historians would say 
that this actually happened. It's, it's kind of a, there are some things in Israel, and I've been there uh, a few times, there's places in Israel where they say something happened, but really they just wanted to make a shrine out of it, um, and a tourist attraction out of it. It's not actually legitimately the place, but according to most historians, there's a few places that it could have been, at, at least the general area, and uh, I've had the privilege of being in these areas it's really cool when you're in Jerusalem, by the way, like in the natural. It's like I, I would encourage everybody in this room before you die to make it to Israel, make it to Jerusalem, make it to Jesus' hometown at least once. You're going to die, get to heaven. Be, he's going to be like, bro, you didn't even come to my home. Like, what's up? Like, you had a f crazy opportunity. You didn't even come visit hometown. Like, it's hometown. When you go to Jerusalem, you literally dive into this book we call the Bible. You dive into it. You're living it. So it says here, verse 3, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. And the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So imagine, people can hear the music, right, outside in the lobby. They may not be able to make out everything, but they can hear sound. They can hear something. Well, imagine this. They didn't have speakers back then. So imagine they hear what sounds like a mighty windstorm, and all these people come running. Like, what is going on? What is happening? And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Now, in this context, and I, I just want to say this because so much confusion because of a lack of study and a lack of, of biblical, well, it's biblical literacy, illiteracy. This is not the same kind of tongues that we talk about or teach about when it comes to your personal prayer language. These are totally different. This is the kind of tongues where they didn't know how to speak Chinese, and all of a sudden they're speaking perfect Chinese, and they're sharing the gospel in Chinese, and they've never spoke Chinese in their life. I'm giving you an example. That's the kind of tongues. So you're hearing the gospel in your dialect. You're hearing the gospel in your native tongue. You know that I can't speak Chinese. But if I started to all of a sudden speak Chinese to you right now, would you think I was a genius? Or would you think I was drunk? Well, first of all, you'd think it was supernatural, right? I can't just all of a sudden snap into Chinese. Well, this is what was happening. And so imagine the power of God comes. Everybody on the outside, they don't speak the native tongue. But all of a sudden now, they're hearing in their own native tongue the gospel, They're going to give their lives to Jesus at that point. They're like, this is crazy. This is insane. This is different than a personal prayer language. And if you, you got to, 1 Corinthians 14 is a great starting point for you. If you want to know what I'm talking about, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 4 talks about praying in your personal prayer language, which your mind does not understand. It says that your spirit utters mysteries that you do not understand. This is not in someone else's native tongue. 
okay? There are many different kinds of supernatural tongues that we see in Scripture. But there's just so much divide on this stuff. And people say, oh, it's weird. Well, let me just tell you, it's weird for me if you want to live your life not ever experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. If you think speaking in tongues is weird, it's weird for me that you don't want everything God has for you. We can argue that all day long. Like, that's just weird to me. You want to live and you want to serve this God, but you only want part of what he offers. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God, I know you have a five-course meal, but I only want to try the first one. Because I don't know if I'm going to like the last one. And you miss out. You miss out. God's like, fine, you can be a vegan, but I'm a carnivore. When you get to the fifth course, like, that's all you're getting is meat. Lamb chops. It's all you're getting. So continue on here. So I just, I, I want to say this because it's very important. You can read 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter four, or 14 verse 4 and 14 verse 14, which actually talks about how when you pray in a tongue, your mind is unfruitful. Your mind does not understand what your spirit is praying. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. It's supernatural. Nothing in your relationship with God, let me just tell you this, is supposed to make sense if there's faith driving it. If logic is driving your faith, it's not faith. You can argue all day long about the kingdom. You can argue all day long about Jesus. You can have all these intellectual arguments. That's great. But if you can be argued into the kingdom, you will be argued out of the kingdom. But what you can't argue is a revelation and an experience. My life has changed. You can't tell me otherwise. Testimony, the power. We overcome by the word of our testimony. There's power in testimony. When they heard the loud noise, they came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And then a few verses forward, just fast forward a little bit, verse 12, it says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. To me, that is the stupidest statement in the book of Acts. Like I said, if I spoke perfect Chinese to you right now, would you say I was drunk? <laughs> like I just get too many drinks in me and all of a sudden I can speak your language flawlessly and I've never spoken it before. You know, you know why they said they must be drunk? Because it was chaos in the room. Because sometimes what we feel like is chaos is God's order. When God shows up in his dominion, it messes up what we feel like is order. It messes up what we feel is logic. This is what happens when God steps into the room you want to move in logic, God wants you to move in faith. And what makes sense to him is what is faith for you. What makes sense for you in logic is not faith in God. Like I said, if you can logically drive yourself into a belief in God, you will be logically driven out of that belief in God. Throw some pressure, throw some deconstructionists around you, watch the wrong YouTubers long enough, follow the wrong people on social media long enough, and boom, you're just out. 
You're just out. You're out. Because you didn't have a foundation of experience with God. You didn't have a story with God. There was no story with God yet. My wife said good. That means a lot. So I want to ask you this question this morning is where's the power? Come on, say it. Say it over yourself. Where's the power? Look at your neighbor and say, where's the power? Where's the power? This is a great question that I think all of us should be asking in this season is where's the power? Where's the power of God in my life? Where's the power of God around my life? Where's the power of God in the people I love? Where's the power of God in my workplace? Where's the power of God in whatever I do? Where's the power of God? Where is it? Well, let me just tell you, the power of God is a person, and his name is the Holy Spirit, and he's here present with you, and all you have to do is lean in and surrender. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, the only thing he's asking of you is to respond. That is it. That's why at the end of this experience, we're going we're gonna to invite you to the front, invite you to the side, and we're just going to lay hands on you. And if you would just respond, mark my words, God's power will begin to manifest in a whole new way in your life. I believe in the power of what we call impartation. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. He says, I long to come to the church at Rome. I long to come to the believers at Rome that I may impart a spiritual gift to you that you may be established. Moments like these bring a new level of establishing in our life to build on and build from. I'm telling you, some of my greatest moments in life have come by just responding and saying, okay, God, I'll take it. I'll take it. I receive. I receive. I receive. I've had, I've had the privilege of had, having some amazing people over the years lay their hands on us, lay their hands on me, commission me, pray for me, and I'm a changed individual because of it. But I want to encourage this to you in this room. If you want the power of God in your life, expect it to get messy sometimes. If you want the big waves, if you want to surf the big waves, if you want the big waves to come in to the shores of your life, expect it's going to stir up some stuff, and you're going to have a bunch of stuff on the shoreline after the big wave leaves. If you want the small waves in life, it's clean, it's orderly, right? It's friendly, it's okay. Go to church, do the church thing, right? Little waves. But the big, when the big wave comes... It's going to stir up the bottom of the ocean. It's going to pull up maybe some garbage. It's going to pull up some things and it's going to throw it onto the shore to reveal it to you. Because when you experience the power of God, everything comes to the surface. And you realize who you really are and what's at the bottom. What was always there, every, what was always there, pressure and power have a way of doing that. Pressure in life has a way of just simply drawing out what was already there. And power, the power of God has a way of also drawing out what was already there. So you could advance and into the next level, next phase of your life. I, I remember, I think back to a little bit of the beginning, and I think about, you know, I, I, I liken life to driving a car. Everything we do in life, we're, we're going from A to B, right? Like we got to go to our work, our job, we have to, you know, we go do things with our family, you know, we drive around the country, we visit people, we, we're always in a car. Car, our Cars are, that's, for many of you take the bus, I don't know who takes the bus here, cars or bus, vehicles in general are like, I, I, I liken that to just life, 
the journey that we're on. We, have, we need a vehicle to get from point A to point B. But if you're a driver in here, I want to just say this, that everyone in this, world, and they, everyone in this room drives under the influence of something. In other words, you're driving your life under the influence of something. Maybe some of you driving it under fear. Every decision that you make as you drive along life is being influenced by fear, influenced by unbelief, influenced by doubt, influenced by your anxiety, influenced by the what-ifs in life, influenced by worst-case scenario, influenced by the negative. Influenced by not having enough financially. Influenced. You're driving the thing. The places you don't go, you don't go because you're being influenced by something external putting pressure on you, causing you to not go to the places you should be going to. We're all driving under the influence of something. We've all been given a DUI from God. You know that? Every one of us in this room. But hopefully, hopefully, the goal is to drive under his influence. Hopefully our goal in the end is to drive, I want a DUI from heaven. I want to be driving under his influence in my life. I want to make the right choices. I want to produce the right fruit. I want to, I want to be with the right crowds. I want, to, I want to do what God's called me to do and never miss out because I'm driving under his influence. I'm taking his DUI every day of the week. That's the goal. Does it happen? No. All the time? That's the goal. That's the goal. This is... Part of the motivation as to why the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. So now you'd have a new influence that you would drive your life under every single day. He'd be the one to give you boldness. And I remember, I remember when in the very beginning of my journey, like I really had no context for the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I remember reading. I have a very, very vivid memory of reading in the book of John, talking about when Jesus would send another, and that when he would ascend, the Holy Spirit would come, and he would guide us and counsel us into all truth. And I remember thinking to myself, there's another guy coming. This is awesome. I didn't actually understand the Holy Spirit was already within me at that point. But then I began to read more and more and more, and I, remember, I began to read the book of Acts, and I began to really dive in. Even though I may have heard those stories, I, I didn't have revelation. Now I'm seeing it as life and as real, and I'm like, wow, the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, and look at what happened. People, you know, were, were, were speaking in tongues, and, and, and people were healing the sick, and raising the dead, and, and casting out demons, and, and miracles were happening. I'm like... Why is this not for me? Like, this is for me, that means. Like, all that stuff is for me. This is not some, God's not dead. Right? And a lot of people walk around like God's dead. Let me just tell you, he's very alive. The whole point of the resurrection would be so that you know that he didn't stay dead. That he's very alive. And that defines him very different than every other small G God out there. He's the only one that died willingly and resurrected again. Without the resurrection, you have no faith. You have no faith. And so I'm like, I read the book and I'm like, man, this is all for me. Like I can cast out demons. I can do all these things. And I begin to read about like, this second encounter that people started to have in Scripture. I began to read it in, in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 6, in Acts chapter 2. And I began to read these stories of other, this other baptism that took place. 
And I'm like, God, I want that. I don't know how to get that. I don't know what it looks like. And I just begin to read about it. I begin to meditate on it. I begin to pray about it. And for those of you who know my story, when I gave my life to Jesus, I lost my job three weeks later. And I spent for the next six months, four to eight hours a day in prayer and reading the word and going to the street, sharing my faith, going to the bar, going to the club, four to eight hours a day for six months every day. And in that time frame, my whole world was flipped upside down. I couldn't tell you necessarily like I didn't have like amazing theology. I would just go out and share my story. People would go, what do you mean your story? Well, you know, I was once like this and now I'm like this. And hey, I just had this crazy encounter in my bedroom. Can I share it with you? That's how I operated. I didn't have a grid for like, was this the right method? I just did it. I just went and shared my faith raw. But I was hungry and I was responding to God. I'd be in prayer, and God would be like, go to Tim Hortons. And I'm like, this is before any other coffee shop existed, I feel like. Go to Tim Hortons. And I'm like, okay. And I'll go to Tim Hortons, and I would see somebody talk to this group of people. And I would go up to, like, random strangers, like, all the time and just share my faith. Pray for miracles. Pray for healing. Some of you are like, well, that's scary. Well, I, I, to me, if you weren't doing that, you weren't a Christian. I had a really hard time. Like, a lot of arguments. Like, if you weren't doing that, something's wrong with you. Now, of course, I've, I've grown, you know. You know, I've grown, I've matured. Everyone's on a different journey. Like, I couldn't understand that even friends of mine, like, they were afraid to even give a drive-by Jesus loves you at the drive-through. Drive-by meaning, hey, Jesus loves you and walk away. Like, they were afraid to do that. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's a drive-by. Like, what do you have to lose? You don't know what God's going to do with that. And they just couldn't do it. I couldn't wrap my mind around that. Because I began in this season to so encounter the power of God that I was changed forever. And I remember uh, there was these, this crew of people that came from this, Pente I used to think all, by the way, Pentecostals were weird and wacky. Okay, I came from like an alliance church and I was like, every, anybody outside, like, and I was experiencing God in a real way. But I didn't have a lot of people around me that had much context for it. Like, my friends in that season of time that were also experiencing it with me also didn't have a lot of context. So we'd go to different churches and, and crazy. I mean, we would see be exposed to all kinds of new stuff. And I was like, wow, this is blowing my mind, blowing my grid. Back when we had the VHS tapes, we'd get these, like, VHS tapes from, like, revivals from, uh, from like, the U.S. And we'd watch them, and I'd be, like, awestruck. Like, there was no YouTube, no Google. You couldn't YouTube, but, like, a, you know, like revival or, or, or any of that stuff, like you had to get the VHS tape. Anybody remember those days? I mean, I'm not that old, but for sure some of you remember that. And like, it was just an amazing season. And I remember like talking to these guys at this Pentecostal church and I'm like, I don't know, I, like, I'd like to have this like, I, I want like, I want to experience God's power in a new way. And I hear this thing about the tongues thing. You guys all do the tongues thing. It's weird to me, you know. I don't understand it. There was this guy that would always get up at their church and do this funny tongues thing, and then somebody would get up and do interpretation. I thought it was weird, but really cool, interesting at the same time. I was really intrigued. I was like, man, there's more to my relationship with God. There was so much more. I'd see manifestations, people manifesting God in ways, and I'd be like, oh, that's weird, but I want it. It's weird, but I want it. But like I said, I thought all the Pentecostal people were like these emotional freaks. Like they just they couldn't handle their emotions until I realized God is the God of emotion. And I got delivered of some religious demons. 
I tell you that story. I couldn't even lift my hands in the beginning. I lifted my hands for the first time in worship in my bedroom by myself, and I was so awkward. Some of you can't do it in this room because you feel awkward. Listen, you just got to do it. If the police can make you do it, God should be able to make you do it. Get to heaven one day. <laughs> Every time you got arrested, you put your hands up, but in church, you never did. <laughs> like, that's kind of sad. But it was, I, I, I had to go on a journey. I remember talking to these guys. I'm like, I want this. Can you pray for me? Nobody really knew how to pray for me. They were all like young guys. They didn't really know. Like, they hadn't been taught. They just been grew up in that environment. And like, I need, I, I don't know what to do. And so I began to search. I began to pray. I got this Baptist, this like staunch Baptist Holy Spirit book. I didn't know. I didn't even know it was like, I didn't know it was Baptist. I just got this guy, this author. And the opening line was basically coming against every move of God that's ever happened. I remember, I remember very distinctly, and this one, he, the introduction was like, you know, encountering the Holy Spirit is not like barking like dogs. Anyways, I don't want to go into it, but it was basically trashing a move of God. Anyways, and I had no grid for what he was even talking about. I just read this book, read the whole book, read the whole book about the Holy Spirit. It was a good book. But like I knew there was more. And I went to, uh, I went to this retreat, and... I, at this Pentecostal retreat, actually, with these same, the same crew of people, and I don't know, there was maybe like 19 of us or 12 of us, I don't know, it was a bunch, we filled this room with bunk beds, and I'm a very active sleeper, and I went into this, this dream, and I, I remember, I don't remember the dream fully, but the dream was really powerful, and it woke me up, so I woke up out of the dream, and it had to do with the Holy Spirit, I don't remember exactly what the dream was, but I woke up out of the dream, and I woke up to myself saying out loud, do we really know God's spirit? Do we really know God's spirit? Do we really know God's spirit? Three times. And I woke up and I'm like, oh, I hope nobody heard me because I, like my wife would tell you, like I'm a very active sleeper and I do things like this frequently. And that, it so impacted me. I could feel the power of God in my body when I did this. About a couple days later, I, uh, I uh, was given this book called God Chasers. I don't know if you ever heard that book. And I opened the book up, and the first page of the book, it says, all around the world, people like you and me are hearing the voice of God, waking them up in the middle of the night with a repetitious voice saying, do you really know me? Do you really know me? The same exact thing. I read it, and I was like, what is happening? I was like, crazy. I'm like, something's going to happen. I think this was like on a Tuesday. That night, I went to Tim Hortons, talked to this guy who couldn't help me. I left Tim Hortons. I got into my 1992 Topaz, golden Topaz car, and I was driving home, and while I was in my car, the car filled up with like, I can't even describe it to you. It was like a liquid a liquid lava type of a feeling came into my car, and I began to pray, and all of a sudden, I couldn't begin to, I couldn't pray. I couldn't speak in English, and all of a sudden, the, the power of God came on me, and I, I started speaking in what they call tongues. Changed my life. Let me just tell you, I was like hammered at that point in the spirit to give you insight. I could still drive, you know, I still drive, but I was a little, 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 little woozy, you know, I made it sure I got to my driveway. I got out of my car. I remember getting out of my car on my driveway and like literally falling down on my driveway. And this went on for two and a half hours. Changed my life. 
changed my life. All that to say is this. We need to go a little deeper. We need an experience with God that changes us and marks us. Some of you in this room, you're like, well, I don't experience God like that. Well, neither did I, but let me just tell you, when you encounter God, the God of experience, I don't care about your personality, neither does he. You put your hand on any kind of light socket that's live, you're going to get zapped. He's bigger, better than any other, like, like any light socket. You, you get connected with him in this way, and you're going to get zapped. Some of those conservative, like, like, like quiet people often get the most zapped. So everybody around them could be like, wow, that's God, because <laughs> I know them. So what we're going to do in these next few moments is I'm going to, very shortly, I'm going to invite some ministry team, and we're just going to lay hands on you this morning and pray for you. There's power in the laying on of hands. We've taught this in the past. You know, some of you are like, well, like, why does it need to happen that way? It doesn't need to happen that way but God will use it God will use it and my prayer is that you would just experience the power of God like that you would not go throughout life experiencing religion just coming to church doing the thing clocking in your time mean like I did the good church thing you know I was a good church girl church kid church boy church man you know like like no there's more for your life there's more God wants you to experience him in a real tangible way and maybe in this last season you've been driving the car of your life under the wrong influences and today is the day it says I want to read one last scripture to you it says in Ephesians chapter 5 5 verse 18 I'm going to read it out of a different translation from my head, and then I'm going to read it out of the other translation from my, my Bible here. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. In, Mo, in the New King James language, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to a whole bunch of bad things, but be filled with the Spirit. And there's a reason why he used the correlation between the two. There was a point in that, is that, Wine, too much of it, will cause you to do things that are contrary to your nature. Being under the wrong influence in life will cause you to do things and be things that aren't who you are and who you were created to be. But if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be intoxicated under His influence, and all of a sudden you'll be bold. All of a sudden, you'll walk in faith. All of a sudden, you'll produce the fruits of the Spirit. All of a sudden, you'll be nicer to your neighbor. All of a sudden, you'll be better towards your spouse. All of a sudden, and the word is to be constantly filled. It doesn't say one time. To be constantly filled. The word is to be filled, to be constantly filled. Ever increasing, all the time. Basically, what he's saying is I want you to always be drinking, but of the right source. I want you to always be drinking, always be filling yourself up, always be filling yourself up. Every day, he wants you to drink, 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 but of the right thing. Because so many of us have been drinking of the wrong thing. We've been sipping on fear, unbelief, we've been sipping on social media way too long. And it's caused us to drive our car in many ways off cliffs, off the road, we've, we're off track, we're no longer in the trajectory we need to be in, and we've missed out on life and missed out on God. And I believe God wants to pull us back today. Let me read it in this one last translation, then we're going to dive into this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. So understand and be confident in God's will. 
and don't live thoughtlessly. And right, right away, there's a connection point because thoughtlessly, thoughtlessly living looks like being under the wrong influences. Verse 18, don't drink wine excessively. The drunken path is a reckless path. It leads nowhere. Instead, let God fill you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, I would say it like this, be filled, don't be fooled. Because when we're filled by the wrong things, we're really just being fooling and we're fooling ourselves. Verse 19, when you are filled with the Spirit, you are empowered to speak to each other in soulful words of pious songs, hymns, spiritual songs to sing and make music with your hearts, attuned to God and to give thanks to God the Father every day through the name of our Lord Jesus, the anointed for all he has done. Other words, it's going to make your life a whole lot better, the way you interact with people a whole lot better. It's going to make your gratitude a whole lot better. It's going to change your outlook in a whole lot of ways. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I didn't even get into sort of what I touched on earlier, but we're just going to pray. Can we do that? I want us to stand up right now. Before I invite anybody down, I'm going to invite just the, those that I've asked to pray, and, and if you, if I've asked you to pray in the past, please come down, be, be available, be available. And listen, guys, it's, you don't need to hear what we pray. It's not about, like, words right now. It's just about what I believe God wants to do at impartation. He God wants to put a deposit in you today. It may be 30 seconds. You may feel nothing, or you may feel a whole lot. It does not really matter in the end what the manifestation looks like. What matters is that you just lean in and let God move in your life. That you surrender and let God move. That you just respond. Saying, God, I'm open to prayer. I'm open. I'm open. I don't have it all. I don't have it all. None of us have it all. In the sense of like, there's always more that God wants to unpack in and through our lives. And so God, if this is one of those unpacking moments, let it be. God, I pray that you would deposit something in me. And so I want you to close your eyes just for a few moments. If there's anybody in this room, you've never said yes to Jesus, which is the most important thing you need to respond to. If you don't know what would happen to you when you, if you were to die, it's so important to, to figure that out. And the way you do is by simply just letting Jesus into your life, by surrendering to him. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness today. You forgave me past, present, and future. And I want a relationship with you. I confess that you are God. You are Lord. You are King. I want you to be all those things in my life. And I believe that you are raised from the dead to raise me to new life. If, 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 if you resonate with that and you would say that in your heart, that's the best decision you'll ever make. And we want to help you along that journey. So please, if you are in that space and you come up today, even just let one of the team members know. So we definitely want to give you something, want to give you a gift to help you along that journey. But for the rest of us, I want to include everybody in this process right now. We're going to go into worship. We're going to go into worship right now just for a few moments. God, we lift away, we, we, we put away fear, we put away doubt, 
we put away distraction right now. We put away whatever it would be that would stop us from really receiving today. We put it all away right now. 